Welcome to another episode of A Case for the FBI, Cross-Examining Reality. I'm Cassie. And I'm Kristen. And we're switching the intro up a little bit for you guys this week. So Kristen and I are having a really hard time narrowing down um, what we want to do after next week's episode. We have a few that we're really like excited about. So we figured we would talk this week and kind of throw out some of the ideas, take a poll on Instagram and see what you guys wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So next week, we're definitely doing Bad Vegan. Um, we have been requested to talk about that one a couple of times so (laughs) that one will be coming next week again that one will be dropping on the 13th of april so the episode that we wanted to get you guys's opinion on is going to be dropping on 420 blaze it so one of the ones that um kristen and i are really excited about actually came from a a listener shout out to carly it's called i love you now die and it's about um what was her name was it Michelle? Um, Michelle Carter? Yes. Yeah, so essentially mm-hmm. she was involved in her boyfriend's suicide, encouraging him to do it. I don't really know too much, but I do remember the case and I find it very fascinating. Kristen, do you remember like the ins and outs? I do. Yeah, I do remember when it was happening, um, kind of like when the trial was actually happening in real time. And not that she um, encouraged him to commit suicide necessarily, you know, in like a, um, like in a malicious way, but basically he had expressed his wantings to commit suicide and things like that. And she sort of gave the perspective of like, if that's what you want, then do it kind of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I not, I don't think she said like, I support you, but basically it's not like she tried to stop him. Um, and was basically just like, I support you to do it, whatever. And I think she may have even, I don't know. I feel like she might've even like aided him in it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember all these specifics now. Um, but so now it's a, it's an interesting legal question. Like she didn't, she didn't kill him. Like he mm-hmm. ended up making that decision on his own, but to what degree is she responsible for his death is right. the question. And I feel like that's something that um, even kind of recently you and I have talked about coming up more. Like I remember, I think it was you telling me about a situation where um, it was in the Midwest somewhere, I think, where a truck driver, like his brake stopped working or like something as far as the functionality of his truck stopped working and it ended up killing a bunch of people. And so it's like, is he responsible right murders or no right I mean even for manslaughter like he didn't mean to do any of that but yeah it's like someone has to be held accountable um but I think she was also a minor at the time when all Mm -hmm. this was they were in high school school, I think um so um what Cassie mentioned was the documentary I love you now die but is also being featured as a series like a Mm -hmm. docuseries on um Hulu called the girl from Plainville. So if you've seen the ads for those, it's the same story, but that's just like dramatized with Elle Fanning and everything. Um, so Cassie and I feel like we might just watch that anyways on our own, but we'll sure. definitely talk about like the documentary 
um, on it. If you all it are interested, be interesting. If we do happen to do this one, watching both and maybe even comparing and contrasting. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, because I think the the um, documentary movie is a bit older. It came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. So now that it is being produced in like a in a dramatic show, mm-hmm. I, I I think that would be a good idea too to see like maybe they like dramatize some things right. or mm-hmm. you know they took some creative liberties. Yeah, exactly. You know who knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like um what's it called um the girl from Plainville I think it's getting good reviews too yeah I've heard good things so far from people who've watched it yeah so it's definitely an interesting question and you know I (laughs) I like thinking about stuff like that like obviously that's terrible what happened but it's like is she responsible So that's an option. So if y'all are interested in that, please let us know um, because we will be more than happy to do that. Mm-hmm. And the other one, one that Kristen brought up that I hadn't heard about, but sounds very intriguing. And I'm sure y'all would not be surprised, especially with our love of cults <laughs> and religious cults at that. Um, yes. Okay. So the documentary that I'm talking about, it recently came out on Discovery Plus, which I know is indie, whatever, but if you've been <laughs> listening to the pod, off the beaten path, yes, it is not very mainstream, but if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you know that I'm a TLC girly, 90 day girly. So of course I have Discovery Plus, <laughs> um, but Discovery Plus also includes like the Food Network and HGTV mm-hmm. and like a bunch of other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Anywho, they came out with a documentary about the Hillsong Church, um, which is sort of like a, um, here, I'll read it from the internet right here, a mm-hmm. global charismatic, charismatic Christian megachurch based in Australia. Um, and then eventually it came to the United States and it's a really big deal in L.A., um, Justin Bieber has attended the Hillsong church and the Kardashians have attended the Hillsong church, but mm. they have been involved in a, a, um, a massive amount of scandals most recently. Um, so here we go. I can give you some examples. I feel like I've seen, uh, YouTube videos about the Hillsong church, but I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. what's going on with the scandals, but I'm sure it's just our typical cult uh, offenses being like money laundering mm-hmm. and tax it's evasion cult. and things like that. It's I think is, <laughs> is what I think is going on. So if y'all are interested in the Hillsong church, and I mean, as you can tell, we don't really know a whole lot about this, mm-hmm. but if we were to watch it and do a more detailed um, conversation on it, then I feel like we definitely would be open to do that. Um, but also, if y'all don't really care about religions and cults like we do, then we don't have to. Yeah, y'all let us know. Um, we're going to, again, probably put up a poll, like maybe Thursday afternoon. Mm -hmm. um and see you know which one you guys have more interest in um and whichever one wins we will be recording for the 420 episode Ooh, so special yeah so special so cassie i also wanted to tell you about this other documentary that i just stumbled upon Uh um it's coming to netflix and it's about Abercrombie and Fitch. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> I don't know how much you've heard about this. 
Um, but it is called White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. So it is a film on Netflix that follows the change popularity in the late 90s and early 2000s and how controversies surrounding its exclusionary marketing and discriminatory hiring affected its signature all-American image. Um, And the reason why I came upon it, I had no idea that this was um, happening. But Abercrombie, I guess, released a statement in response to this documentary coming out. Mm. And they posted on Instagram, you know, the tried and true just posts with some words on it. Right. Um, when right. you know that a PR crisis is going on behind the scenes. Thank you for giving us the chance to show you who Abercrombie is today and for being a part of who we will be tomorrow. Interesting. So I think basically the documentary, of course, we all know the toxicity that exists in Abercrombie and Fitch, although they are not the only offenders. I mean, Hollister is in that same exact vein, hundred percent. but in terms of like only having very skinny women work um, in the store, just having like shirtless men walking around the store um, and other things like that, that maybe at the time we didn't realize Um, Oh my gosh. I like, I feel like their sizing was just like a hundred percent skewed and off. Like I very vividly remember being like probably like a freshman in high school, like trying on their jeans and like crying because I was like three or four sizes up and I still couldn't fit. Yeah. Um, So that when I think of, I know that they're trying to change and they're like, their curve line has gotten a lot of, you know, positive reviews and things like that. But like, when I think of Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister and all of those types of brands, like when we were growing up, I literally think of myself crying in a dressing room because I couldn't fit in their clothes. So, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of women have probably had a similar um, experience and I, I would wear these clothes even when I was like in middle school. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm like a, like smaller petite girl. So it's like clothes that I was wearing in middle school and I would wear like a medium. It's like, what is, this is, these clothes are geared towards like teenagers and like more like high school and college kids. So it's like, what, what is going on here? What, (laughs) like, who are, who are we making clothes for here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this would be, I think it's going to be really interesting to have something like this come out. I feel like this is kind of similar to what we talked about last week with the, um, Barbie documentary Barbie. Mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, just trying to keep up with the times and trying to be correct while also realizing like at the end of the day, they still have a quote unquote image that they need to uphold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't want to break the Abercrombie image whatever the hell that is um which I would be very interested in the year 2022 to go into an Abercrombie and Fitch store and see what it's like in there right I don't know that I've seen are they still do they still have like brick and mortar stores I'm pretty sure yeah I feel like I've seen them I guess Um, I would just like PTSD block them out I'm like no thanks Just hearing the loud music in the cologne. Smelling them from a mile away. Were you an Abercrombie or a Hollister girl? I would definitely say that I wore more Hollister or gravitated more towards Hollister. I, I don't really know why one over the other because honestly, like, what is the difference? Other than the moose and the seagull like they both had those like 
polos they both had jeans all of their t-shirts looked the same except one said hollister or abercrombie like i mean the style of clothes like i mean everything was freaking identical like what was the point of these two different stores i mean even the way they were set up they were like freaking like dark beach bungalows that yeah, like, like had, the wooden floors yeah they like, both look the same and everything like I don't understand what the difference was yeah I mean I guess I don't know where Abercrombie claims to be from but I mean Hollister obviously they're big on California like California mm-hmm. everything um but I definitely wore more Hollister because in my mall growing up we only had Hollister in the oh. mall. We did not have an Abercrombie. So because of that, you know, all of the basics wore Hollister because it was in That's the nearby cool. mall. However, if you drove to Richmond, which was an hour away and went to the Abercrombie there, you were, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. a, a, better because you're wearing the Abercrombie and not just the -the run-of-the-mill Hollister that everybody else is wearing exactly Mm -hmm. I remember those days you show up in some Aeropostale or American (sighs) Eagle girl count your days but I feel like um Aeropostale and American Eagle they definitely had the last laugh because they're both still open American Eagle is thriving. Constantly been adaptable, not just like waiting until they couldn't hang on anymore. And then we're like, okay, let's extend our sizes. Like they've been constantly evolving and trying to be like more inclusive, especially airy. Um, They very much advertise like, you know, women's bodies that have like scars and stretch marks and have like insulin pumps and all kinds of things so yeah American Eagle and Aeropostale are definitely having the last laugh you are right about that and I don't think Aerie um edits their photos yeah Mm -mm. which is I mean I love that like it's awesome seeing just like oh these women they look like they look incredible in these clothes but they I mean they look like me kind of thing you know that's actually what I would look like in it so it is, it is honestly, it is surprising to me that American Eagle has made it this long. Like even today, my sister right now is wearing American Eagle jeans mm-hmm. and they look perfectly fine on trend in style, yep. like good for them. But I guess it's just taken a lot of work and maybe also too, it's, it's, they haven't like pigeonholed themselves mm-hmm. um, from the beginning in terms of like, this is our distinct style. Right. This is who we are as a brand. Mm-hmm. Unlike Hollister and Abercrombie that were like, you must be, have, you must have a 12 inch waist yeah. and <laughs> wear polos only exactly, or yeah. graphic tees. Yes. <laughs> I mean, American Eagle Day, I feel like they're just more diverse. Um, yeah. And I remember when they came out with Aerie and I was like, what? Like, you're going to sell underwear now? But now I feel like Aerie's like just as big. Like you go to the mall and Aerie will have like its, it has its own whole store. own store. Yeah. Um, which good for that. I, never did I think that I'd be on this podcast right now, like singing American Eagles praises. <laughs> but here I am. Um, I mean, I honestly can say I haven't bought anything from any of these stores being mentioned in at least like six years so okay (laughs) what about you I'm not gonna lie I definitely frequent American Eagle um I think that's because they 
um, they were the first place or the only place that I knew of for quite some time that had like a curve fit jean that was like oh. specifically designed for people who have a much smaller waist than they do hips. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's why I've been buying, I've been buying their jeans for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, and really the only other place I have some from is like old Navy, but even their sizing kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's something about um, American Eagle Genius. I feel like they have always had like a cult following. Like people yeah. have, all, it's always been about American Eagle Genius. Yes. It's very interesting, but I mean, that's a great thing to, you know, have be your thing, you know, that so many people trust your jeans and will only wear American Eagle Genius or whatever. Right. Like I don't have to go try, like if I buy jeans from Old Navy, like I have to try them on because like, one size and one style might fit, but one size and another style is not going to fit me. Uh, mm-hmm. And with American Eagle, I can just order them online and they just always fit. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Because if there's one thing I hate in this world, it's freaking trying clothes on the store. Oh my God, I know. What a chore. And then like, like, even if you take it home, you got to like go back. Ugh. No, ma'am. No, thanks. No, ma'am. One time I bought something from Amazon and I tried it on and I didn't like how it fit so I tried to send it back and you know said Amazon like I'm sending this back can I have my you know can I have a receipt or whatever to send Mm -hmm. it back and they were like oh no it's fine you can just keep it yep I've had them do that too I'm like I don't want it like take it what am I gonna do with it sell it to Plato's true and get two dollars for it no shade you already got your refund, so that's an extra $2 <laughs> that's in your pocket. So you're you're in the green. Exactly. <laughs> like, you're making money. Only profit from here. Love that. For this week's episode, episode number 13, we wanted to revisit a show that we had already done an episode on. And this was the Leah Remini show, Scientology in the Aftermath. Um, but this time we watched season two mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, Cassie, but I found that season two, like season one was a big old bummer. And I was just like, wow, these poor people season two said, hold my beer. Yeah. I, really. I'm about to tell you like some of the saddest things you'd ever heard. A hundred percent. Like there were parts when I like felt that I honestly like wanted to, tur- wanted to turn it off because I, it was just so a lot of it was just so heavy and disturbing. Mm-hmm. And I guess these were stories that came out um, as a result of season one. Like people right. saw what Leah was doing on season one. And these people decided that they wanted to share their stories too. Yeah. Um, so what were your thoughts on season two? Yeah. I mean, there was even one woman who actually left the church like two weeks after seeing Leah's like first season because it was like that impactful so definitely want to first and foremost say like if that is the case and there are more people speaking out and there are more people leaving the church because they realize it's crazy like good on Leah Remini and I hope that continues I kind of like how it seems like they focused and this only came to me after watching the second season, obviously, that it seems like they focus on one thing per season, kind of. So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like now looking back, the first season was very much like, these are what people are saying. This is what every single person is experiencing in Scientology. There is no disconnect. Everybody is saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. These are the same experiences, like, really validating and, like, providing their, like, 
this is why we're here like this is facts like Mm -hmm. this is true and then I feel like the second season very much focuses on like the family dynamics um unfortunately a lot of like you know child molestation a lot of children being abandoned um a lot of talk about suicide so it felt like this season very much focused on that one aspect um and I kind of like how it seems like they're continuing to do that Mm -hmm. yeah even though like you said I mean it's just season two I feel like the circumstances of a lot of these people's stories were just so much more serious um, one thing that I found to be kind of like a common theme too throughout season two is just how Scientology just straight up says F you to modern psychiatry and like mm-hmm. what we know about psychiatry and what we know about child psychology. Yeah. And how in Scientology, basically children are like mini adults. Right. You should treat them as adults. Um, that is like the complete opposite of what we know to be true in terms of like raising a child and that they are in fact a child and they are going to behave different ways that you may not understand as an adult. Um, so that is just like, like, I can't, I feel so bad for these people who obviously they're suffering from mental illness and the church is just like. Like, wasn't there one guy who he, he like needed to go to the hospital for something and he like may or may not have had some suicidal thoughts and his mom went with him to ensure that like a sick, a psychiatrist was not going to visit him in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, There were a couple instances, like even, um, what was her name? Mimi. Oh, um, uh, love and hip hop. Yeah. I mean, she was even talking about when her mom was dying in the hospital about like how there had to be someone present to make sure that no one convinced her to do something that did not follow along with Scientology, that her daughter wasn't like trying to mislead her or lead her astray or do it, like talk about anything outside of the religion. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like that's how seriously they take it. Like they have people monitoring you in the fucking hospital, like even as you're dying. Right. Right. Are you, do you know Mimi? Like, have you watched Love and Hip Hop? No, I, I have not seen her, but I just knew that's who she was. Okay. Yeah. Me either. I, I have been meaning to look into it to see, um, like if she's famous or she's like, because isn't Love and Hip Hop, it's like basically like wives of hip hop artists. Dating show. Oh, is it? Oh, (laughs) Wait, what even is love and hip hop? Obviously, this is a blind spot. For okay, in our defense, this was popular like a really long time ago. Yeah, that was my understanding was that it it was like a wag show, but about wives of famous hip hop. Okay, artists. yeah, yeah, you're right. They've supported their men on the road to hip hop stardom, and the women featured in this docu series have mostly remained in the background. Now they're looking for their share of the spotlight. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so let's. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, but but anyway, so Mimi um was telling her story about how I it her mom basically was so like the church just had her by the throat so badly that Mimi was homeless at the age of thirteen, and no one did a damn thing about it. Her mom did not care. The church obviously rejects any 
notion that because she just refused it came to the age i guess at 13 when they asked her to join the sea org and she just kept saying no i don't want to no i don't want to Mm -hmm. and they said okay well if you're not going to join the sea org then you're out like you got to go and this 13 year old was kicked out onto the streets of la no like they get i think she said like they gave her money to go catch a bus and that was it yeah yeah like 13 years old you have no idea what to do. And also um, her family, I think she said she grew up in Virginia mm. um, and her family maybe lived in Florida and then moved to LA. So it's not like she was not from LA. Right. They moved there for Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 like what, that was one of the ones that was just like heartbreaking. And okay. um, I think like there was having a- to like tell people at school, she was like, I looked for nice cars. Yeah, to see if my friend would like let me go home and like I would take a bath and I would make sure I ate. Yeah, they would let me stay the night. I it just like it's terrible that I mean that to me was like the main message that I got. Like I understood season one that Scientology is terrible, but season two I'm like they ruin lives. Yeah. Um. So speaking of LA, something that you had brought up in um when we were talking about season one mm-hmm. was the importance of celebrities in Scientology, and they actually touched on that a lot. I feel like in season two. Mm-hmm. So now, like, what do you feel is your understanding of how Scientology treats celebrities? I mean, it definitely. I feel like they see them as gods almost like this is how they're gonna get new money in is kind of how I see it because I think something we talked about before too was like and I still even after watching this season still believe this is true there are not a lot of new people coming into Scientology it's a lot of people whose parents got into it and are having babies and like some of those people are staying and they're having more babies and like Mm -hmm. just like the cycle just continues and continues and I think that if there are that small percentage of people that are like genuinely coming and joining on their own I think are probably coming from celebrities and like them saying like this is how it changed my life because it's like there are people like sitting here right now that if they saw like John Travolta being like my success you ask L. Ron Hubbard Scientology did it for me and they'd be like oh my god like if I if that's all I have to do is join Scientology to become like John Travolta like why would I not do it yeah yeah and they they said something too um on the show something to the effect of that like having celebrities promote your religion adds a sense of like legitimacy to it Mm -hmm. too like you just said um so also when you're talking about like you know Scientology is the reason for John Travolta's success when we talked last time about Scientology I'll be honest, I still was, like, kind of confused about, like, what the hell these people were trying to do. Like, I didn't really know if, like, I was really caught up on whether or not they, like, worship some sort of God because, like, they call it a church. So that just, like, didn't make sense in my brain. Mm -hmm. But now I feel like in season two, they really expanded on it. And my understanding for that is that, like, their goal is to make, like, superhuman people. Um, They're trying to eliminate everyone outside of the church exactly yeah so they want to like make superhuman people who can heal themselves and everything so I think that is obviously their big marketing point to people is that like we're going to teach you how to cure yourself of everything like you won't have relationship issues you won't ever get sick again like yeah 
things like that. Well, some um, of them were like talking to their cats and stuff. I was like, oh god. Oh my gosh. But then the funny thing is they um really they also like really got into like the nitty-gritty of what happens when you're like moving up the bridge Mm -hmm. and I guess it was what like OT8 seven or eight which is um the highest is like OT10 I guess and then you're like technically clear so people like got all the way up the bridge basically like only a few steps left to go only a few hundred thousand more dollars left to get to the church and they found like why am I not healing myself? Why am I still getting sick? Why mm-hmm. do I have allergies? <laughs> like yeah. things like that, which I mean, duh, like and anyone could have told you that from the beginning, yeah. but that's, it, that is just the biggest irony to me. Well, and then something, I can't remember exactly what the words were, but they were essentially talking about when Scientology essentially announced that L. Ron Hubbard had died okay he died um no he he disposed of his discard his body i'm like what this man is frail and disgusting and he's had like six strokes and has all these other things he decided to discard his body that's how they framed it because they believe that you just keep coming back right you your spirit just like leaves this body and still to my point from last time if L. Ron Hubbard made the decision to discard of his body on whatever year it was. <laughs> Where the hell is he now? Where is he at? He's waiting to make his big reentrance. I mean, is he like an infant? So like, we just don't know that he's back yet. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Does he have to like regrow up and like remember and come <laughs> back and like, I mean, like, why hasn't there been some crazy? I could be L. Ron Hubbard. I could go to Scientology and I'd be like, I'm L. Ron Hubbard. Like, I swear to myself i'm here <laughs> well what are you waiting for why don't you do that exactly i mean i'm not crazy enough to do it but i can't believe there isn't somebody who is you could be like i got my teeth fixed between my last life and this one yeah and i decided i'm not going to discard this body just yet we're just we're just starting here i feel like the timing kind of makes sense too because he i feel like he died like in the 90s i'm just saying let me see what year did we he are die? walking amongst l ron hubbard oh, ex- he died in 1986 oh. so he is existing somewhere as a 36 year old um well, anyone is listening that is 36 and is tempted to um pretend to be the reincarnated l ron hubbard uh would love to have a conversation with you would love to follow you and document that entire process mm-hmm. you have our full backing our full support we could make a documentary following the uh, the reincarnation of L. Ron Hubbard. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know there's someone out there listening that wants to do it. And we we've got we've got this. We've got the vision. We've got the execution. We know the years. We got this. It would be a true delight to participate in such an event that is we definitely should be doing all of this also by the way they told us in um season two that they refer to the years as after dianetics and said like they don't do like this is 2022 ad yeah they they say like 36 ad being i i guess it must be after 
L. Ron Hubbard died. I don't know. Yeah, or like when know. he published the book or something. But AD stands for After Dianetics. I do remember that. I was like, what is going on here? Um, and we also don't have. We didn't learn anything new about Shelley in season two. I know. If if Where's season three is not solely about finding fucking Shelley Miscavige, <laughs> then I am going to be so upset. Like I need to know. I need to know. I am personally about to drive to fucking Clearwater, Florida, find the best medium that anyone has ever seen, and I am about to contact Shelly Miscavige or her mom. We know for a fact her mother is dead. I need to talk to this woman. I need to know where her daughter is. Is she with her? Mm -hmm. Is she still alive? If she is still alive, is she suffering? I have so many questions it really it is something that keeps me up at night sometimes I'm not gonna lie I wonder if she is just getting audited 24 hours a day seven days a week for the past 20 years or she's probably made it to step eight about 700 times and they just keep nope (laughs) we found this different uh this new comma in the new book so you gotta redo it gotta reread it Uh, uh, I can't even this whole thing is just so damn wacky um so I know we talked about before too how much we love Leah and Mike. Mm-hmm. I think I I say that for both of us that we both love Leah and Mike. Mm-hmm. Season two, I found a deeper sympathy for Mike Render. Yeah, because now, like you mentioned earlier, we are like hearing all these terrible things about people being molested, people having suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. and Mike Render enabled all all of it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and he knows it. And so they would yeah. show him on the show and he would just have like the saddest look on his face. And I'm yeah. sure that has to be hard for him mm-hmm. because he knows like any question that they had, um, especially because Leah, like this season two, I also realized like Leah was just in it. She yeah. didn't know all of like the bigger workings of it and like how right. all of the administration worked. Mm-hmm. So whatever question she had regarding like the administration, Mike could answer that because right. he knew everything. Mm-hmm. And just like seeing these people have their lives like completely destroyed. Yeah. And you could even feel like, I felt like there were a lot of times, especially since there were like a lot of, I hate to say it, but women that were talking mm-hmm. about molestation that occurred from men um, in Scientology. And you could just like, I feel like, you know, Mike hasn't said one way or the other if if he knows anyone personally within his family or anything that experienced it. But like you said, a lot of the time he was part of the cover up and things like that. And I think mm-hmm. that he feels really guilty about having children within Scientology. And yes. really, it's not. And you can tell genuinely it's not because they're being mean to him now or it's not because he's not in it and they're in it it's because of these things that he is hearing about these children having to go through and he Mm -hmm. knows that he put that on his children yes even if they don't understand right now that it's not good and it's not amazing and the best time of their lives or whatever the hell they think it is right now but like just knowing like my children are in this fucking awful cult that is abusing them Mm -hmm. and brainwashing them it's my fault like there's like I love Mike and I'm sorry but like there's no one else to blame right 
Right. And I, I'm sure he would agree a thousand percent with you. Um, and he even says, because I guess, you know, his kids came out saying that like, Mike is a terrible father and blah, blah, blah. And he says, yeah, they're right. I was a terrible father because like you said, he did all of the, he like put them in Scientology, but he also didn't pay attention to them when he was in Scientology because he was too busy with the Sea Org. And well, you're kind and of like, when they have the that. kids, they don't want them to have anything to do with them. Right, right. Yeah. So it's like, and I guess now, you know, that Mike's out of it and he actually sees like what, a, what, what like a healthy, like father child relationship looks like. Right. He's probably like, hell no, I didn't have that with my kids. Yeah. Well, was it this season or was it last season that they talked about the abortions? Um, it was much more featured in season one, but they also referenced it in season two. Okay. I couldn't remember which one it was, but I mean, it's just like, they're over here. Like they really don't emphasize the importance of family. We already knew that, but just like the fact that like, they, I I think it's just like, if you're going to be in the sea or like, you can't have any distractions. Exactly. Yeah. Having children working. Right. Even though like you would think like you said, they're not getting any new members. So the only way is to recruit from within and make exactly. Scientology babies, but that is not allowed. No. I suppose if you weren't in the Sea Org, it's fine then if you were just like a regular old Scientologist, but um I guess definitely like, that's not all still a little bit confusing to me. Yeah, I wonder like what the ratio is of like Sea Org members to just like regular old Scientologists that have, you know, like quote unquote normal lives. And like I really still don't understand what their purpose is. I guess you effectively are just like giving up your entire life for the church and you are the ones like doing the auditing and doing all of that sort of stuff. Because like we even talked about last time, it's not like they're going out there on fucking mission trips or anything. Like, what are y'all doing on that fucking boat? Oh my gosh, I saw this TikTok. I should have sent it to you. Um, but this girl was posting posted a TikTok, and she she must have been like Irish or British or something. But anyways, she was in New York City, and she went to go see Hamilton on Broadway. Um, and during the intermission, did you see this TikTok? Uh-uh. Um, during the intermission, she had to go use the bathroom and she went um, to use the bathroom in the theater and the line was hella long. And she was like, well, I'm not going to do this. So she, she left the building and was just like, I'm just going to find the nearest bathroom. Uh-huh. Coincidentally, she found the Scientology building in New York. And so she walks in and is like, hey, can I use your bathroom? And the, someone was at the front desk and was like, yeah, sure, that's fine. So she's walking through the building. And it, this was like a Saturday night or something. All these people are working in the building. She like passed offices where there were just like rows of desks of people working. She's like, what the hell? Like what? Saturday night? Like what why are, are these doing? people working here? Yeah. And then she used the bathroom. And when she comes out, a guy like accosted her and was like, hey, like, can I have a second to talk to you about something? And then she was just like so freaked out that she just ran out of the building. Oh my God, I would. Um, but then I think afterwards, either she told somebody or she like looked up what Scientology is and is like, what the hell? Oh my God. But I mean, I really am just like, but what are y'all even doing? Like, what are y'all so busy working on? Like yeah. constantly trying to get rid of articles that are negative like are y'all just managing PR crises crises every day like yeah they're making all those um hater websites for all the people who are having to rewrite those damn books all the time that's true that's true I just gotta proofread them I guess 
Um, and like I mentioned earlier that like I have a better understanding now of what Scientology is. I'm not going to say that I like agree with this, but I do kind of have a better understanding now of why people join Scientology. And my view on it is like Scientology is similar to other religions in that it just gives you like purpose and reason. And they have, you know, their set of morals that I feel like a lot of people gain from religion like just having like just something to work towards and that's what Mimi mentioned too was that her mom was just like kind of lost and just really wanted wanted a purpose and like wanted to be a part of something Mm -hmm. and then as soon as you gravitate toward towards Scientology they just snatch you up take your money and I feel like they just continuously just like put this pressure on you to meet their standards and I can see like people just feel like this is their purpose like this is their higher calling for whatever reason this is their higher calling to to be part of this quote-unquote religion yeah well I mean even if you think oftentimes about like the situations that people I mean almost 90 percent of the people are like yeah my mom married my stepdad and he was in Scientology and it's like okay so your mom was a divorced single mother who felt like she probably had no purpose in life other than to be your mother right like I mean it's just like every person that you like hear about joining this organization is like down and out like has some kind of like vulnerability that makes them like the perfect prey for Scientology oh that's such a good word like it's the most vulnerable of people yeah that that gravitates gravitate towards it and then obviously Scientology capitalizes on them yep um, so a, a one part of the show that I found to be like one of those like times when I just like didn't know if I could watch anymore mm-hmm. is when those tor- two poor people were talking about being in the like labor camps mm. as children. Yeah. It was devastating mm-hmm. to hear that like these poor kids are having to like chop wood and do hard labor when it's like they should be learning like multiplication and like for what yeah you know what I mean like what are they like she was talking about how like they built L Ron Hubbard highway or whatever the fuck it is laid all the bricks down and it's like why like for yeah. why? why did you have them doing that and like having these kids be feel so guilty for nothing so guilty just for like having typical teenager tendencies Mm-hmm. And just like the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, the mental yeah. abuse, the sexual abuse, yeah. all of it. I can't believe that these kids would live in these camps for like months or years at a time. Right. And knew nothing else, knew no better. Yeah. And again, I feel like, you know, it's because I feel like a lot of people, if they just had sort of just like a more rambunctious kid or, you know, someone who they thought was too rebellious and they didn't know what to do they would just send them off to the Scientology camp. Yeah, that's exactly what they said. They These were the bad kids, like the kids that wouldn't just be told to stop doing something or to quiet down and they just didn't listen. Right. Think about all the kids who probably had like ADD or ADHD or oh, dyslexia or were on the spectrum, like all these things. And they were just being like forced to do Are slave they- labor, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And unfortunately, I think they still have like a few of these 
quote unquote camps open, whatever they're called. I mm-hmm. think there's one in Florida. Um, and I think they sort of now market themselves as being some sort of school that you can send your kids to. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that part, I was like, next time in Florida, I'm going to Clearwater and I'm burning it down. <laughs> I'm burning it down and I, I'm going to stay outside of that building with with uh picket signs <laughs> saying how much how much I hate them and how terrible they are because damn I mean it's also kind of interesting like how many things they're able to like claim as something and then they like like even apparently they had like um like a drug rehabilitation center of their own or whatever mm-hmm. and it was like there were people that were going there and dying yeah <laughs> because it's like they weren't getting the help they actually needed right Right. I know. And like, what a terrible, terrible thing to do. I think it was specifically with narcotics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That right? It was called like narco or something like that. Yeah. Like you're going to prey on someone who's addicted to narcotics. Like what is wrong with you actually? Right. Um, so I have an idea that I kind of want to just like put out there to see what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, if the listeners would be interested in funding a trip for us to go to Clearwater yes and just totally terrorize the flag area and all of the Scientology buildings would you be willing to do that with me 100% why not okay okay how many days do you think you would like for us to be there like how many days do you think is enough to completely like you know tell them how we feel three okay okay that's easy do like yeah. a long weekend yeah right the labor day's coming up oh true and we <laughs> what way what better way to labor exactly than to anti-labor the children <laughs> liberate the children exactly set them free um so i just i wanted to end with this one last thing that i like found really moving um was that Leah in the beginning was talking about how um and again of course we have stated that we thoroughly love Leah mm-hmm. um is that basically like freeing these people of Scientology like is her career now mm-hmm. she was like I don't want to do anything else like anything else is done this is my career now is helping these people and trying to bring them to justice and trying to hold the bad people accountable I'm like Leah you are an angel yeah I remember they were like towards the end answering like some reddit questions and um one of them I can't remember exactly what the phrasing was but it was essentially like you know has any has anyone significant left the church because of your you know documentary or something along those lines and she was like well people have left and that is significant to me like she was like any person that leaves the church any person that listens and questions the church that is significant to me like it doesn't matter if it's like someone at the top or not like just someone getting themselves out um is significant and that is just such like a clear purpose I feel like for her to have is just like doing this and I feel like she gets so touched when people are like oh my god like thank you for starting this for like giving us the platform to share our stories and she's always so gracious and is like oh no 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 um and it was so personal too like towards the end of the season where there was the episode about her and her two best friends yeah that grew up in Scientology together I think Mm -hmm. that like 
you know, it just really, to me, um, like really underlines how this is so emotional for Leah because right. this is, it was such a big part this of her life, her life for so long. Yeah. And now she's like having to hear these stories and having to, I'm sure have like painful flashbacks to her life yeah. and how things were for her. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I don't mean to say this to like negate, like what she experienced or whatever, but from what I've heard, it seems like she was extremely lucky in her experience growing up in Scientology. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like she experienced like as, as much abuse and saw a lot of the things that like a lot of other people did experience. Um, but I think she even acknowledges that by doing the show. Like, I think mm-hmm. she very much is like, look, I didn't have it that bad, but once I started questioning things and they weren't really like willing to answer once my friend Shelly, who literally was at every event and was so supportive of like Scientology and everything stopped showing up out of the blue and no one can tell me where she is. Like, these are things that are like not adding up and just Mm -hmm. hearing how bad some people did have it. And I think that that was when she was like, okay, because I can kind of emotionally detach a little bit more than some people can like I feel like I have to take this on and like help those people like share their story mm-hmm. that's kind of how I see it from her perspective yeah and now I'm realizing like the irony of that is like Scientology used her celebrity mm-hmm. to promote it and you know like Tom Cruise and everybody else like pr- they used her to promote it and ask her to um you know bring people in and stuff like that but right. now instead she's like it would be different if this was just sort of like John Smith and he is now no longer part of Scientology, right. but now she is using her celebrity and it's like a recognizable name and everyone knows her story and like the public split from Scientology and everything. Yeah. Now she's using that to again, like fight against the church. Yeah. I even thought it was interesting hearing from her mom. Like it was almost like her mom did, like it was like her mom would do what they told her to but mm-hmm. then when it came to Leah like she would like still tell her what she was supposed to do but like she was like still a little hesitant she'd be like don't ask that question right now yeah like she knew people were listening so she's like don't ask me that question right now like I'll answer it later but like don't do it right now yeah I'm sure it's tough. I'm sure that Leah experiences like survivor's guilt in a way, because like you said, she didn't have it as bad as some people did. Um, Obviously, we're not saying negates her experience. It's just, I think that it might be part of the reason why she is able to do this because like, you know, she's able to detach from it a little bit easier than, um, some people. I mean, like you can tell how reluctant, like some of these people are to talk about, um, some of the things like I can't remember what the girl's name was for some reason I want to say it was like Miriam or something and she was talking about her dad like taking you know essentially like sexually assaulting her while her mom was like in Los Angeles like working for Scientology or whatever mm-hmm. and like she even said she was like I can't talk about like everything because I I mentally just can't yeah um so it's like people like that could like never rightfully so fully detached from something like this and be able to like pull this off and bring in other people and share their story and things like that it, it, I think mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh it just sucks like this season was such a bummer but I personally like I really learned a lot from it mm-hmm. um and I feel like you did too just in yeah. terms of 
during these like how much worse can it get <laughs> I right. don't want to know actually god um so we decided to watch season two because we got a pretty high number of plays on our on our first episode of Scientology and obviously I feel like it's something that a lot of people are interested in I mean we were interested in it too especially I mean I didn't know a whole lot about going into it um so if y'all have been enjoying this I guess we can watch another season yeah I mean Um, I don't know what's in store but um, yeah. Not trying to backtrack, but one of the stories that actually I enjoyed the most, I, I feel like it's one of the topics we didn't touch on as much. It was, um, I think his name was Aaron and mm-hmm. he was married to, I can't remember what her name is right now, but essentially they were married. It seems to me like they got married while they were in the Sea Org because you like, that's just what you did. Like you could like, you couldn't hang out or like be like really close like if you weren't married essentially Mm -hmm. and it seems very much like her husband was like trying to do these like normal things it seems like he was getting in trouble a lot for like going dancing and smoking and drinking and like you know doing things that he was not like quote-unquote allowed to do or encouraged to do Mm -hmm. um and you know his wife just always was kind of like oh like it is what it is like you know like that's just Aaron like haha he's so funny and she kind of tells the story about how he comes home one night and she can just tell he's like really down he's been gone for a while and he talks about how he got this ticket and he's gonna have to go to court and he's just like really down and upset and she talks about how he gave her like this special kiss and all of this sort of like really emotional stuff and he ends up killing himself Mm -hmm. um and she later finds out like it was because he actually got a a charge prostitution charge Mm -hmm. um he was having he was a male escort for men like he was having sex with men um and so essentially he just like kind of got to the point where he felt like in this church in this marriage in his life that he could not be honest about who he was what he wanted to do how he wanted to live his life that his only option left Uh, because he could not go to this court date he could not publicize the fact that he has been charged with being a homosexual prostitute or gay prostitute or whatever the proper terms would be Mm -hmm. um, that he had to kill himself yeah yeah and I feel like the woman even gosh I can't remember her name either but like um his wife she she basically like she didn't shame him in any way of of doing that she didn't like I mean of course she was upset but she was like I feel terrible that like he he felt that he like he couldn't express himself like if if he truly was gay that he felt that he couldn't be his true self yeah um which is heartbreaking that it's like the Scientology is just so oppressive that you feel like you can't just just be yourself and still be accepted by then yeah and unfortunately that was not the only story that kind of resembled the same uh you know outline towards suicide if you will but that one was one that kind of like stuck out to me the most and I thought was like really sad yeah yeah and of course I mean when you just think about anything that would drive a person to like want to end his or her his or her life like yeah like there's no other option it's terrible it's terrible. yeah um well on that note <laughs> bye guys <laughs> uh, well do you have anything else to say um on Scientology season two um 
No, not really. I definitely feel like we learned more, maybe have a better understanding. Um, I hate it more than I did before if I, I didn't even realize that was possible. Yeah. Um, and I still cannot wrap my mind around how people are still believing this and feeding into this and thinking this is a true thing. So um, that just leads me to believe that people are in desperate need of mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Associates to help them diagnose this craziness. Like people will do anything except seek actual treatment. I mean, my (laughs) like I literally sit in awe watching this documentary. Like how do you believe this? How do you sit there and think this is a good idea? And just keep writing those checks. Yeah. And seeing no results. And I mean, even like them saying like the purpose is like, we want to be a great people and like, we want to be the best of the best and we want to get rid of everybody else. I'm like, that's my issue with religion in general. Why do we have to exclude people to be good people? Like, I'm just like, how do y'all sit here and think that like eliminating the rest of the human race is a good idea? Right. I just, uh, that would like make the world a better place kind of deal. Also like, let's be real too. Not a lot of diversity in Scientology. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. (laughs) In in any fashion. No, it's insane. Um, but now I will say for sure, like if I ever catch anybody like making jokes about Scientology or saying like, oh, you like Scientology is just like so crazy. I'm going to be like, hold up because you don't even know like the wrath that Scientology has on people and the lives that it's ruined. Like I get it. It's funny, like weird, but legit, like people, people like don't have families anymore because they're not allowed to talk to them. Because yeah. of this dumb quote unquote religion. Yeah, it's insane. Insane. <sighs> All right. Well, I guess I'll do it for this episode, episode 13. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, like I said, if you guys are interested in more Scientology talk, if if somehow this gets even worse, um, <laughs> then I will prepare myself emotionally for that. Um, but like we talked about in the beginning, we are going back and forth between two different ideas for an episode two weeks from now. So look out for our poll on our Instagram on Thursday, the 7th, um, and let us know what you think if you would want to do um the Michelle Carter girl from Plainville situation or the Hillsong church situation. Please let us know. Um, again, we probably will end up doing both, but we just like to see, we just like to take the, take a pulse on yeah. our listeners. Suss it out. Yeah. And see what's going on. Um, so we hope you all enjoyed this episode. It enjoyed was a probably real <laughs> bright spot in a lot of people's day. I'm sure. <laughs> yes um all right y'all well thanks for listening as always we have the best listeners in the land if you listen to us on spotify please give us a five-star review if you listen to us on apple podcasts please give us a five-star review and if you feel so inclined you can like write a little review too you can put some words on there um so do what our good friend stormy did and leave us a little review um, follow us on Instagram if you don't already. We are at a case, the number four, the FBI. And if you want to shoot us an email, old school, send it to a case, the number four, the FBI at Gmail.
and we are open there. Um, so yeah, thanks y'all for listening. And as always, we love to hear feedback, what you like, what you don't like, Mm -hmm. what you want more of. Mm -hmm. We got you less of (laughs) less of that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Guys, let us know. That's how we learn and grow. Exactly. Constructive criticism. Always welcome here. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Look out for episode 14 next week when we talk about the bad vegan. I know a lot of people have watched it. Um, and hopefully you have time before then to watch it too. And that way you can go along with the discussion with us. But I'm looking forward to see what all the hubbub is about. Exactly. I've had too many people tell me to watch it at this point. I feel like it's it's got to be decent, right? It's got to be good. I know. I I really don't think I would I would watch it otherwise, but I agree. But now that I'm going in with sort of like low standards, hopefully it will truly blow my mind. <laughs> yeah, right. So. <laughs> the bar is on the floor. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.